0: So here's what I want you to know is that one of the ways we worship God that God actually wants, that God passionately loves, and I mean passionately loves, is when we come as his children giving gifts to him. God loves it when we give gifts to him. But he's told us the way he wants the gift given. Just like Tracy doesn't want cookware, uh, you know what? But you know what, that's good she tells us because we want to do stuff that are meaningful to her. It's meaningful to God when you give to him financially of the first 10%. God actually is very clear about that. He doesn't want the leftovers. He doesn't want a tip. He wants you to take the first 10% of any income that comes in and, and give that to him. Now, by the way, technically, you're not giving God something at that point. The Bible teaches you're returning to God. Uh, that Everything you have is God's. Everything that's poured into your life comes from God. And so what he says is, and I'd love for you. I would love for you to return back to me in faith, cheerfully. We'll get to that in a minute. The the first 10% of any income you get. Then God actually says he loves it when you give him offerings beyond that. Based on the fact of you're saying, God, you keep blessing me. And whenever you bless me, I want to bless you back. So God loves the tithe, the first 10%. The word tithe means 10th or first 10%. And God loves offerings. So we need to understand that that's one of God's love languages. It's one that matters to him, one that he loves. And so as a matter of fact, this might blow your mind, God is so clear and is wanting this and telling us he loves this that he actually says an interesting term. He says, never come before me empty-handed. Now, you might say, whoa, really? No, God is so clear about that. Uh, More than once, God told us never to come before him empty-handed. In other words, we should come giving gifts to God. In Exodus 23, verse 15, it says this. It says, you shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt, and none of you shall appear before me empty-handed. Now, you you can't get any clearer than that. In Exodus 34, verse 20, he says again, none of you should appear before me empty-handed. In Deuteronomy 16, 16, God talking about when people gather together to worship him, he says three times in a year, your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place he chooses. Now, by the way, listen to that. In the place he chooses. I'm gonna tell you in a minute, the place that God chose then, the place that God would choose next, and the place that God chooses today. So he said, I need you to come together in the place that I choose. And then he goes at the feast of the unleavened bread, at the feast of the weeks, and at the feast of the booth, and they shall not appear before me empty-handed. So God is really clear about that. He said, if you love me, You want to do things the way that blesses me. You want to actually have a relationship that's real with me. You need to come to me giving. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. What is that all about? You know what that's all about? That's about what we call godliness. It's about being Christ-like. Now, why is that? Because God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And if you're a godly person, you're a giving person. And you give to God. You got it, Dave, right? And you give to God and you give to others. And if you're Christ-like, you give to God the very, very best. Because Jesus gave the best for you. Now, see, that's what it means to be Christ-like. That's what it means to be godly. And so God, God isn't being selfish in this moment. God is being one who wants to have you grow to be a child of God and have a Christ-likeness molded into your heart and, and be who you are in your life. And so we cannot connect to God unless we're going to do it in the way he loves. And a big part of worship, an incredible part of worshiping God, is giving to God, is giving to God. Now, remember God said, I want you to only do that in the place that I choose. So here's what I want you to know. Uh, The first place God chose was a place called the tabernacle. The second place God then chose was the temple. And the third place that God chose is the church. So it started with the tabernacle and God called Moses up onto a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Why was he up there? Many people think he was up there to get the 10 commandments, which is only a small part of why he was up there. The main reason he was up there, you guys, was he got a design for the tabernacle. All the color schemes of it, by the way, it was really colorful. Uh, What was to happen in it, the the architectural designs of each piece of the furniture, uh, uh, how it was to be put together, and, and what was to happen in it. It's very intricate. And it's very powerful. It had lights. It had, it had smells. It had fire. Gosh, God loves it when we worship with fire. Uh, but he, he really does, by the way. And, and it had all this in it. And it was the idea of having a worship experience centered around five ways we give to God. Now, I don't want you to miss that. And I think it's super important to know. So when it comes to the tabernacle, and by the way, this would also take place in the temple, you would gather together and give to God a gift in one of five ways, which were called offerings. Uh, The first one was called the burnt offering. The burnt offering was something that was actually super valuable to somebody. It was a prized bull. It was a a sheep or a goat that that had no blemish whatsoever. Matter of fact, all of the offerings had to have that true of it. But very often, it was something super expensive. And what you would do is you would come and bring that to God and worship God. And when that, that animal was offered to God on the altar, it was burned until there was nothing but smoke and ashes. Nothing left behind. Why? Because you were giving everything to God and not holding back anything. And you might say, okay, what does that have to do with you? What does it have to do with me? Get ready. When we come before God and say, I'm completely dedicating my life to you, no holding back, all my hopes, all my dreams, all my resources, my family, my friends, my relationships, my future, then you're doing a burnt offering moment to God. And when you and I come before the Lord and we give a tithe and an offering and say, God, I'm completely yours, then we're honoring what God taught in the tabernacle and the temple. So the first one's called the burnt offering. It's called a dedication offering. The second one was called the meal offering. Now the meal offering was done because they were basically an agricultural society. And even those who did business or commerce, agriculture was big to what they did. So you would take the best of the best of of wheat, of oats, of fruits, uh, of anything uh, like that. And you would bring it to God. It had to be the best of the best and... It had to be the first. You didn't give the second, the tenth. You didn't wait to see what was left over. You gave the first of what you had and came to God and said, I want to give this to you. So the burnt offering I just told you about is for dedication. This is for Thanksgiving. This is the idea of saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and so you would come before God and give that to God and say, I love you because you keep blessing me. And I love the gifts you give to me. And I want to come and give some of the best of what I have to you. And so we do that too today when we come before the Lord with tithes and offerings. And we say, you know, God, thank you. Thank you for the fact you blessed me. Every time, every time Pam and I get any kind of income, what do we do? The first 10% is given to God. And I, I get excited about it. Then what happens is we give offerings as God has blessed us. And there's so many times that I we sit and we go, Lord, we can't wait to do this. Pam and I, by the way, uh, at least twice a year, give a special offering to God. At Christmas time, we do it, thanking God for Jesus Christ coming and changing our hearts and lives. Uh, at Easter, we do it, thanking God for Jesus dying for our sins. And we have just uh, an emotional experience of of giving something extra to God. And we pray and talk to God. God, we're going to give the first 10%. What should we give beyond that? And that's our form of what we would call the meal offering uh, that is done as a thank you. The third offering is called the fellowship offering. Now, this is one of my favorite offerings. And uh, why is that? Because the fellowship offering is an offering based on thanking God for the relationships in your life and asking God to bless those. And God loves it when you feast with the people who are special to you. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite holidays uh, is Thanksgiving. Why? You get to eat together. And I love Christmas because you get to eat together. And I love that other amazing, amazing holiday Super Bowl Sunday because you get to eat together. Yeah. And you know what? I, I don't know about you. I mean, we plan the food and get excited about the food and get together and celebrate and, and laugh and joke and pray. And you know what, God? That's what God said I want you to do with the fellowship offering. You come together in the tabernacle, come together in the temple. Now we come together in the church. And we come together and we, we eat together and break bread and share in fellowship. And, and God says, I'm blessed by that. I'm blessed when you come in love. I'm best blessed when you come in celebration. As a matter of fact, it's interesting in Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, it says that God told the people, go and eat the very, very best of the food. Drink the very best of the wine and celebrate together and don't be sad because the joy of the Lord is, and I hope you know the answer. If you know it, put it in the chat. Put it in the chat right now. The joy of the Lord's your what? Strength. 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 Yeah, strength. That's your strength. And by the way, that was based on the idea of this fellowship offering that God called for. And God loves it when his children celebrate together. So the first is a dedication offering, the bird offering. The second is a thanksgiving offering. And it's called the meal offering. The third, the third was this amazing time of fellowship and celebration called the fellowship offering. And then there were two more offerings, one for sin and one for guilt. Now, it was called the sin offering and the guilt offering. And and the sin offering was basically for intentional sin. Sin you knew you were going to do. Sin you knew you were sinning in when you did it. And God says, I want to forgive you of that and cleanse you from that. The guilt offering is for all the, all the sins you committed and you didn't know you were sinning. By the way, you may not know that, but you may be doing something that's sin and not know it's sin, but it's still sin. Uh, if you drive 80 miles an hour on the freeway in California, it's a miracle. No, um, but, but if you drive 80 miles an hour and you didn't happen to know you're going 80, you still get a ticket, right? Yeah, so just saying I didn't know doesn't get you off. And so what I want you to know is God says, I wanna forgive you and cleanse you of those two sins, the intentional sin, the unintentional sin. And, and you know what? In the church, what do we do? We celebrate that because Jesus Christ died for all our sins. And usually at communion time, we at least once a week gather together to remember the gift of Jesus Christ, his body and his blood, so that we can offer ourselves to him in that moment and thank him for what he did. So that's what God called for. But here's the key. Remember, he said, I want you to come to the place I choose. So he started by choosing the tabernacle. And and you would come and give gifts to God in the tabernacle. Then it was the temple. You would come and give gifts to God in the temple. Now it's the church and we come and we give gifts to God in the church. And that's one of the things that God wants us to do. So he said, don't appear before me empty handed. You come and worship me by giving to me. And and then you know what else he said? But I want you to do it cheerfully. I want you to do it willingly and cheerfully. Why? Because it's a sign of love. Um, one time when Pam and I were living in Chino Hills, we had a, a fun relationship with our neighbors across the street, Frank and Irene, and they had a beautiful little daughter named Charlie. Charlie back then was probably about this high. Today, she's a, an amazing woman, beautiful woman, uh, incredibly fun to be around. And back then when she was little, babe, she was the cutest kid ever. And so I love seeing Charlie. She'd brighten up my day. One day Pam and I are pulling in the driveway and we get out of the car and I hear Charlie's voice across the street going, Chuck and Pam, Chuck and Pam. And she comes running over and she reaches in her pockets and she pulls out all this money. She goes, look, I earned all this money. And she's showing it to me. And then she looked at me and said, do you want it? Aww. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, I love you, love that. And that's not, I did too. I was like, oh, and I took it. No, not really. <laughs> I didn't take it, I didn't, I didn't take it. But, but it's touching, right? And would you agree, I think you would, that what she was saying is, Chuck, I love you. Yeah, yeah in a very real way. That yeah. something she worked so hard for and valued, she was ready to give to me out of love. Did I need it? No. Did that matter, to be honest? No. Because she was doing something from the heart, willingly and cheerfully. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says this. It says, now this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And it's talking about how you give to God. That's what 2 Corinthians 9 is about. And if you only give God a little, you'll only get blessed back a little. Then it goes on to say, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion for God. God loves a cheerful giver. None of us should give because we have to. None of us should give because of guilt. But we all should give to God out of love for God, appreciation for God. And we ought to have joy in that. And we ought to be cheerful in that. And we need to be excited about it. And uh, I want to tell you that there's a lot of people, a lot of you watching right now, uh, and uh, most everybody who's here, man, they love giving to God. They love it. Pam and I love to give to God. Uh, By the way, uh, whenever I go to buy a gift for my wife, Pam, I get so excited. I I love to get to my wife, Pam. So I I like strategize and pray about it and figure out what it's going to be. And uh, then when it's finally time to purchase it, I can't wait. Uh, By the way, I just bought her for her birthday, and I know it's going to be super exciting to her, the brand new iPad Pro that just came out. So it's not even here yet, you know, because she wanted the two terabyte drive, and it comes from China. And, um, and so I had saved and saved and saved, but it's something she really wanted. And I'm like thinking, okay, how do I tell Pam? How do I unveil this to her? And I get, I get just as excited, not only in buying it, I get more excited in giving it to her. And Pam and I have that same love for God. We get so excited to give to God. Uh, we get so excited about it. And whenever you love somebody, I think that's just something you do. Uh, by the way, I had Tracy up here in the beginning. Pam and I are in Disney World uh, and, and we're walking along and Pam sees this one shirt and she goes, oh, that's for Tracy, that's for Tracy. So we are super excited. And we actually like couldn't wait to get home so we could surprise Tracy with a gift we knew she wouldn't expect, but we knew she'd love. And we have that same love for God. And it creates a cheerfulness. It creates a joy. It creates an excitement within us. And so I want you to think about that. So most of the people who are watching right now, most of the people who are here, I know you love, you love to give to God. Why? Because you love God so much. And I'm going to get honest. There's some of you watching right now and some who aren't watching, you've already clicked off. (laughs) You're just gone, you know. (laughs) And, and you know what? You don't like to give to God because you know why? Because you're going, it's mine. You're going, it's mine. I don't want to give my stuff. Why does the church always want my money, my things? And you know what's so wild? If you're a born-again believer, it's not yours. It's never been yours. It's God's. And so I don't give to God saying, well, it's mine. I, I give to God saying, I love you. I love you. And uh, we want to do that with God. We want to do that because he's our father and he couldn't love us more than he does. So giving to God needs to be from the heart. And, And by the way, in the time of the tabernacle, uh, it, actually, the tabernacle hadn't even been built yet. Moses comes down and says, this is what God wants. He wants a tabernacle. And, and, and he said, here's the, what the curtains are going to look like. And here's what the the, the tent in the meeting is going to look like. And they called it the tent of the meeting, where you meet with God. Again, around those five offerings, those five gifts. And he says, this is what we're going to do in it. And he said, but you know what? It's not going to be cheap. By the way, the tabernacle cost a lot of money. The temple was probably the most expensive building ever been built in the history uh, uh, of the world. Maybe, i actually pretty close. And, and, and why? Why would we, by the way, why would we do that for God? Because we love God. Yeah, by the way, one time, I, I'm going to get off a little. I had a guy say to me, yeah, you know, you spent all this money building the church. and I just think that's so wrong. And I said, well, you know what? They built this mall that cost like 50 times more than our church. Do you think that's wrong? And has that, Do you ever walk around going, stupid mall, why'd they spend all the money on it? You know why you don't do that? Because you worship consumerism. Yeah, but you don't worship God. And you know what? The tabernacle was going to cost a lot of gold, a lot of silver. Uh, porpoise skins were in it. Animal rights people, I'm sorry. Um, but here's what I want you to know is when Moses said, here's what we're going to do, the people got so excited. We get to do that with God. We get to do that for God. In Exodus 25, verse 2, it says, tell the sons of Israel, God said, tell them, tell them to raise a contribution for me from every man, listen to this, whose heart moves him, He shall raise my contribution. Well, then God says that later on again. And God says it again. As a matter of fact, in Exodus uh, 35, 21, it says, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him came and he brought the Lord's Lord's contribution uh, to the work of the tent of the meeting and all of its service and all of its holy garments. And then what happened is the first person's heart moved and they gave, the next one gave, the next one gave. They started giving together. And then in Exodus 36, verse 5, Moses says, stop, stop. You, I love you, love God, but you're giving way more than we need. Yeah. Now, isn't it interesting when the, when the people of God, whose hearts were committed to God, started giving to God, it was an excess. It, was, it gave more and more and more because they love God. In the Bible, David, King David, the one who slayed Goliath, the one who'd be one of the greatest leaders who ever lived, he had a title that God gave him. God said that David was a man after my own heart. How would you like that to be your title from God? I would love, I mean, and I'm not kidding, I would love it if when I got to heaven, God said, there you are. Chuck, you're a man after my own heart. I would love it if all the people around me said, hey, Chuck, you're a man after God's own heart. Well, David was that way. But remember, if I'm going to be, or you're going to be, or David was, was a man after God's own heart, well, then clearly what you'll see is you've got to be a giver. You can't have the heart of God and not give. And in 1 Chronicles, David now is calling for the building of the temple. Remember, Moses called for the building of the tabernacle. We talked about that. Now it's time to build the temple, a more permanent structure, a more magnificent structure. But David wanted it right. And listen to what David said about it. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3. It says, David said, moreover in my delight. Now, Now I want you to key in on that word. Not I have to. Not, oh, God made me. He said, no, moreover am I delight in the house of my God. The treasure of gold and silver I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. And then he starts naming it. Namely, 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, which is the best gold you could get back then. 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings. Of gold, the things of gold. Of silver, the things of silver. That is for all the work done by the craftsmen. And then it says this, David said these words. He calls out and says, who then? Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Now, it's kind of interesting to me. Actually, it's super interesting to me, hopefully to you, that David said, when I'm someone who gives to God out of a willing, cheerful heart, out of a heart filled with the love for God, that that means I will be consecrated. When I give to God the tithe and the offering, I become consecrated Uh, Because the Bible, actually, Jesus later on would say these words, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In other words, your heart is truly consecrated to God, set apart to God, committed to God. And that means everything in your life is. That's that burnt offering kind of moment. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14, David says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? Because the people started giving and giving. And he goes, who are we that we get to do this to you and for you, God? And then he says, for all things come from you. That's what I've been saying. You know, David's attitude was everything I've got, God gave me. Everything that's out there is from God. Everything you've got, God gave you. And he said, for all these things come from you and from your hand. And then we've given you we given back to you. Verse 18, we are sojourners before you and tenants as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow when there is no hope. Oh Lord, our God, all this abundance, because people gave and gave and gave, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. See, that's the attitude David had. That's what it means to be a man after God's own heart, where I go, you know, everything I've got is God's, and then, God, how can I use that for you? How can I do that for you? Verse 17, since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly, key key in on that, David said, have willingly offered all these things. Now remember what David said. He actually said, I'm giving God a fortune. And and he said, but I'm doing that willingly. I'm doing it because it's yours anyway. I'm doing it because I have nothing that did not in the end come from you. And then David sends this. He says these words. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. I want to tell you this. I, as a pastor, I get so much joy when people in our church give willingly to God. You might say, well, Chuck, that's because you want the money. No, guess what? I don't get the money. It's God's money. And, and, and the church does great godly things. I just rejoice watching people love my God that much, loving my Father that much. And, uh, and, and I hope you do too. So we need to come before God, never empty-handed. We need to come willingly with a love-filled heart. And then we need to know this, that when you give to God, listen to this part, the gift should have value to you. In other words, when I give to God, what I'm giving ought to have value to me. Uh, And I don't want you to miss that. David, uh, David at one point had messed up really, really badly. And God had started to punish him for it. And then he called out to God for mercy. He called out to God for cleansing and forgiveness. And, and God showed him a particular place that he needed to go to. And he said, I want you to do one of those offerings there for me. I want you to do a sin offering and a guilt offering so that you can be forgiven. And, our, and the people of this land, they also can be forgiven because you're the leader. So he went straight at, right to where God had said to go. He went up a mountain to get there. And when he got there, there was a man named Ornan who owned that piece of property. And he said, I've come because God told me on this piece of property, I need to make an offering to him. And Ornan said, then it's yours. I'll give it to you for free. And David said this to Ornan, no, but I will surely buy it from you for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering, which costs me nothing. He said, I'll never give a total dedication offering to God that costs me nothing. In other words, I am going to give something of value to God when I give to God. And you know what he's saying is I love God that much. I care about God that much. I would never do something cheap in how I give to God because God has told us that when we give to him, we're to give the first and catch this, the best. So the first, like a burn offering of complete dedication and the best, like the meal offering of the best of the best that we have. And if you love God, And I hope you do. I want you to know that God has always given the best for you. He gave Jesus for you. He gave his son as a gift for your salvation. And God calls for you then to come into a relationship with him where you know what it's like to give your best to God. The best of your time. The best of your money. The best of your resources. The best of your goals and dreams. The best of your energy and talents. You give to God because you love God and even more because God loves you. Right now, I want to ask you, is that where you're at with God? Do you love a relationship with God where you know that everything you have is from him and where he keeps blessing you and blessing you and blessing you? Well, in Hebrews 11, it says that anybody who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. By the way, I can tell you God's rewarded me over and over and over again. You might say, Chuck, is it because you earned it? No, it's because God loves me. And God loves you, and he wants to do that with you and for you but it starts with you committing your life to him. That burnt offering kind of moment where you give total dedication to God. So right now, if you are not 100% on fire for God, living your life with God, experiencing him, because you've given yourself to him, no holding back, then this is your moment. And I'm telling you, don't wait, do it now. Do it right now. And how do you do that? Well, you just say to the Lord, I want to give myself to you. I want your forgiveness. I want your cleansing for my intentional sins and my unintentional sins. But I also want to commit myself to you completely. And I want the life you have for me. I want to live for you. So right now, right now, some of you need to pray that prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move in the heart's in the minds of anybody who needs to commit their life to you. And I'm really praying, Lord, right now, there's some people. Some men, some women who are just there's something going on in their heart. And and right now all the things in their life that may not be good, the bad. All the the hurt, all the pain Lord, I pray it's going to start to fade away as you set them free from the pain, from the bondage, from the hurt, from the past, so they could live with you in the now and live with you in the future. And I pray, oh God, they're they're sensing a stirring. Just like you stirred people in the Old Testament to give, they're they're having a stirring in their heart to give themselves to you right now I hope that's you and if that's you pray this prayer with me say Lord Jesus actually say the words Lord Jesus I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me I know you gave your life for me that you shed your blood for me so I could be forgiven so I could be cleansed so I could be yours And I want to be yours. Just say those words. I want to be yours. No holding back. I want to be yours. Completely. 100%. No holding back. So take me now. And make me yours. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you pray that prayer, praise God. But I need to have you do something next. And I know this is what God would want you to do. Remember I told you the tabernacle is a place people would come and meet with God. The temple was a place they'd met with God. Today it's the church is a place we meet with God. But in the tabernacle, you wouldn't sneak in and sneak out. You would come in and say, today's the day of the burnt offering. Today's the day of the meal offering. You would announce what you're doing for all to know. So people would know your commitment level with God. In the church, you do the same thing. You let us know, I made a commitment. You let us know, I made a decision. You let us know, I want to be God's completely. How do you do that? Well, what I want you to do is text AMEN to 77247. Text AMEN to 77247. 24-7. 24-7. And, and when you do, we're going to get right back to you. Another way you could let us know is to go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I made a decision. I said yes. And we'll get right back to you. And then when you need to tell us your name, don't hide out. Don't be anonymous. And then guess what? We want to give something to you. Why? Because you matter to us. We really want to give something to you. It's one of the best-selling books of all time called The Purpose Driven Life. You'll get an electronic copy from Rick Warren and, and, and it talks about how to discover the purpose God has for you. And that's our gift to you to commemorate and celebrate your decision now. And we want to do it with you. We want to do it for you. But something happens when you let us know you did it. So right now, don't hold back. Make the decision to make the commitment so either text Amen or go to Crossroads Church. Family, And it's the whole idea, Jehovah Jireh is one of the names that God revealed to us. And it means the Lord God, our provider. Uh, he is the one who is enough. And may he this week be more than enough for you. May you be blessed. May you be empowered. And may you be filled with joy. God bless you and see you soon.